Dr. Michael Lynch, founder and CEO of Autonomy, thank you for talking to the CFEL Enterprise Tuesday podcast series today. Now, you are described as a homegrown Cambridge success story and a rare example of a European academic turned technology entrepreneur who has taken a startup through to being a, a global leader. What lessons are there for others in what you've done? Well, I think there's a long answer to that, which, which one day will probably be one of those awful books. Um, I think the, uh, the first lesson is that it is possible uh, in that, uh, you know, we're not as used in Cambridge to seeing startups become sort of world-class companies as you would see in, say, Silicon Valley with the output of Stanford. But uh, a lot of the things that were holding back those businesses have now gone, and it's now possible to do it here. Okay, it's now possible to do it here. Just give us a few tips of how you, uh, Dr. Michael Lynch, OBE, did it. Well, I think the first thing is, you know, you have to have a, a fundamentally good idea. I think one of the things that people sometimes make a mistake is that they see something that's working and they, they do what's called in the technology world a me too. Uh, the point is if someone else is already doing it, there's not much point in starting. You know, there's a saying in technology that at the point where you start something, you have to be 10 times better and 10 times cheaper than the competition because obviously by the time it comes to market, you know, that those margins will be less. So first of all, wait until you get the right idea. And then it's a lot of it's about getting the right people around you and listening to the right people. Yes, indeed. In your lecture tonight, you talked about uh, all the wonderful people who create the business. You clearly have to be able to work with people and recruit the right talented people to your team. Are there tips for doing that? Well, the kind of people that, that um, I like working with are the ones that, that you know, have an enthusiasm for the world and see change and they think of tomorrow as being better than yesterday. So you're often looking for people that think a little bit uh, outside the sort of normal confines. They're not happy with how things are. They want to see change. They're excited by change. And they're generally very creative people. And you also described them as manic and, and obsessive and weren't afraid of talking of your own team in autonomy in that way. Oh, yes. No, I think um, you know, obsessive people who really believe in what they're doing often can achieve far more than someone that just sort of plods along when it's a nine-to-five interest for them. And there was a lovely story you told uh, about in your early days how you put a sign up on a cupboard door saying sort of um, only um, authorised people beyond this point. Can you tell us that story again and why you did it? Well, it's just an example of, of sort of how people have to think. If you have a small business and you have a tiny office and people come to the office and they see the size of the company and they're not confident enough to give you an order... But if you're lucky enough to have a cupboard and you put up a sign on that cupboard that says authorised people only, then people assume that there's another 5,000 employees through the door. They may just give you that order and then you can show them what a good choice that was. All right, you, you talk about recruiting the right people to your team. Uh, but, but how do you go about making sure you've got the right skills and you've got the right skill matches and that everybody gets on with one another? Because if we've got all these highly motivated, highly charged, manic, obsessive people, aren't they all going to just um, have a row? Oh, they have lots of rows, but it's often those sparks that is where the creativity comes from. It just sort of feeds on itself. I think, you know, if there's a row going on, there's a debate. And if there's a debate, then we're moving forward. So, uh, and, you know, it's not a bad thing that uh, sometimes they spark off each other. So what were the skills you were looking for when you were just a very, very small startup? Well, because we're in technology, we need people that are technically very bright, that can, can deal with the technology. But you've also got to have people that can communicate that to customers and talk to customers in a form they understand. 
and listen to customers. You know, one of the things that people often don't do is listen to what the customer's telling them. Customer will often have a problem, will have a project, will have a budget. And if someone's listening, then that can give you a way in that, uh, you know, is not perhaps why you arrived at the meeting. When you began your lecture tonight of the Enterprise Tuesday series, you talked about how you were nervous about talking about how to build a successful team because you didn't particularly like HR departments. Well, I think you have to be careful of generalisations. I think the point here is that obviously 99% of businesses are more traditional businesses. They're not um, an entrepreneurial business. And so a lot of the ways in which an HR department works, which is something which has traditionally grown up in large companies, is geared to those problems. And those problems are often very different to the ones you find in an entrepreneurial business. And and so those pictures of those smiley people, the recruitment processes, how did you innovate and change those? Because you, you clearly did just get in there, roll up your sleeves, and interact with the HR departments to recruit the right people to your team. Well, I think it's about working out what the priorities are. So, you know, you, you've got to let the HR people know that you're prepared to take a risk. We're prepared to hire people that are risky but may turn out to be real gems, whereas often HR sees its role as not hiring anyone that's going to be a problem. And, and have you had some surprises in those you've, you've hired? Have you ever been wrong about your instincts and your judgments? Oh, no, we're often wrong, and that's really the point. If you're going to build an entrepreneurial business, every time you get a gem, that person is worth a factor of 100. So the fact that you uh, may have to go through um, you know, two or three mistakes to find the gem, that's exactly the approach you take. And so while when you're setting up a, a start-up technology business, the idea is important and the marketing is important, It's also the emphasis on the team you've been talking about tonight. Are they all of equal importance? Well, generally, the the first two follow from the third. If you have the right people, um, then they'll sort out the marketing and they'll sort out the technology. So people is everything in technology business because there's no asset. You're not digging something out of the ground. It is only their ideas that create the value. And, you know, when you're really starting off, you can't really find people you don't know. You know, the, the skills to get a four- or five-person company going rely on two or three of those people being joined at the hip. So that's why there's a Marks and Spencer. You know, that nucleus of a business often is not someone that you've just met. And your Marks and Spencer story also included you talking about your partner and how you almost had a, a, a psychic intelligence between you. You knew what one another were thinking across the room. Oh, yes. You know, if, if we were in front of a customer, we could almost be, seem to be talking telepathically, you know, in that we could read each other. And, uh, you know, it's that closer relationship um, that you get when you've got someone that, you know, you, you're, you're sort of living um, this obsessive life with of trying to start a business. And there was also a lesson in, in your lecture tonight in that if you build up a successful company, you then have um, setbacks like the dot-com crash. Oh, well, all business is cyclic, and I, I think one of the things that people sometimes forget when the good times are on is that, you know, winter will follow summer. And uh, one of the tricks is to, you know, like a farmer, understand that and make sure that you've prepared for it. One of the difficulties you've got, though, is when you've got an internal culture in a small company of, of people that are all about making a difference and changing things. You know, when winter comes, uh, that can be a very difficult time because suddenly... Um, everything that seemed possible seems impossible. Of course, neither extreme is is ever the case, but that's how it seems. And you showed a slide tonight of a wolf in the snow and really talked about the current economic recession. 
as a time when actually the hungry wolf may well be the one who makes the successful business change and innovates and comes through the recession stronger. I think one of the things you sometimes see with, with startup businesses is they decide what they're doing and they stick to that. And, you know, you have to be prepared to be a little bit more flexible than that when, uh, you know, the snow's on the ground and you can't find any food. You might have to eat something else. And the trick there is, you know, the hungry wolf eats enough to keep it alive to the next day. It might not be something very palatable, but the point is it's still alive the next day. And then when the four comes, it's in a perfect position to move forward. So, you know, the, the irony is in these difficult times, actually, relatively speaking, um, you can make a lot of progress relative to your peers. And that becomes clear when spring comes and the four comes and suddenly you're way ahead of everyone else. Dr. Michael Lynch, thank you very much for talking to the CFEL Enterprise Tuesday podcast series today. Thanks very much.